0: and related topics. PaulWinkler.com is the website. If you are not a subscriber to the podcast, which is this show, it's broken up into little chunks so that during the course of the week, if you miss something on the weekend, you won't miss it because you can go back and check it out and have it right in your. Whatever way they do that, I'll bet my guest knows exactly how all that stuff works and probably knows how it works forward, backward, upside down, because he is a business coach and probably could go, Paul, really, you got to get a clue on the technology. Uh, (laughs) Charles Alexander, he is a business coach. And uh, in here with me today, because it's not, this isn't just about how to invest money, it's also how to make money. Man, welcome Good to have you here. Thanks. Long time. Hey, man. Thanks for having me in. Been a long time coming.
1: I, I concur. It's been a long. It's taken me a while to write a book.
0: Well, y- y- yes. And his book is Start Now, Quit Later. We will talk about that a lot. It's how to start and grow your business without quitting your full time job. This is how I started this company, as a matter of fact, because I was actually working. I was selling health insurance That's of right. all things.
1: You were. I should have used you as an
0: example. It, yeah, I probably would have been a really good example. We'll, we'll put you in the next one. Okay, there you <laughs> The next one. That's all right. right. Yeah, so what, what I did is I actually started this company because I was getting tired. Of, we did 401ks. Mm-hmm. We did some investment stuff, but I didn't really believe I knew what the heck I was doing, and I wasn't going to harm people. They were trying to get us to sell annuities and life right. insurance policies as investments, and I was just like, no, nah, I don't. You know, annuities have their place every once in a while, but you know, the reality is they're oversold. And you've heard me talk about that a million times. But what happened is I got really frustrated. I was had a really, really low income. And I had to figure <laughs> out some way to make it work, but I didn't like what I was doing. So what I did is I actually started the the finance mm. business, the investing business on the side, and and picking up some things. And then what I mine was a little different. I actually sold all of I gave away all of the health insurance business to have the right to take the investment business I had built up in exchange. So it was a little bit sure. different. So your your book, talk a little bit about this. How did you decide to do this? So, and you're talking
1: about giving that away and every bit of it when somebody starts a business, well, whether they're working full time or not, it, it's never the same. It's it's a snowflake, basically. It's you know everybody's path is a little different. Like for me, I've been business coaching for sixteen years now. Mm-hmm. A few years back, I decided to to practice what I was preaching and started my own business creating explainer videos. So anybody listening, watching, those are the ninety second videos that somebody can put on their website that quickly explains who they are, what you know what they do, and why you should work with them versus somebody else. I, Fun fact, I actually do it for financial advisors and insurance agents, mm-hmm. so it mm-hmm. gives us something extra to talk about. But I started doing that, and I, that business kept growing and growing until it eventually became a full-time thing. Now, the way it became a full-time thing is that I had to you know, p- implement some of the processes and procedures that I would teach other people to do. Uh, also fun fact I am my own worst client I had to go out and hire a business coach <laughs> because I couldn't take my own advice so I, this book I, <laughs> I've used all you know I've coached over 2,000 people helped 250 start businesses and I used a lot of those examples in here but most importantly I used myself as my own example I've got a job I've got a business I've got A side hustle in addition to the job in the business, all all running simultaneously.
0: Right. Yeah. You kept all those balls in the air and then started coaching people. And it was interesting because you were doing classes over there with, you know, at the the college for kids that were or adults that were starting their business, mainly adults. Uh, that word, I say kids, everybody's a kid sure. to me
1: now, is that right? You're getting old, man.
0: I mean, you know, it's like you, you look around and go, oh my gosh, these kids. Yeah. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Get off the lawn. <laughs> uh, so there was so much stuff that in this book and, and, and I have my book flagged like crazy on all of the things that I picked up in here. And there were so many different little poems Paul's pointers. got
1: more post-it notes in my book than 3M makes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did. I'll. I, you know. I'll keep them in business. That's for sure. Okay. So, some of the things that you tell people that are thinking about starting a side hustle, so to speak, I. Uh, what are some of the common mistakes that you see people make?
1: Well, a lot of the common mistakes. First, and foremost, that they want to quit their full time job primarily because I think they're right around, let's say, my age now, and they've been at that full time job for two decades, and they're willing to do anything they can to pull the rip cord and get out of it. And I always explain to people if you can start small do that get a proof of concept Uh, so one of the issues besides quitting their job right away is not getting that proof of concept people like to take whatever idea they have and just run with it Uh, food service is a great example Mm, yes i i make you know these great casseroles brownies insert whatever here and it's always popular at the family reunion church potluck and so everybody must want it and then they test market it with people that know and love them well you're gonna get distorted feedback if you know you're giving it to uncle henry and aunt linda they're going to tell you how great it is you got to go out and yeah find because people. yeah
0: they they right. want they they love yeah. you they love you and they want to build you up they want to support you so they're going to tell you what you want to hear right. sort of kind of you you've
1: got to start with the most minimally viable object idea test it before you start building on top of it. and test it with people that do not know you that are your target customer that will be willing to buy the product later make sure you have actual capital in the bank when i say capital real money to kind of get started with so many people will get started and then they try to backfill it later and then they come crying to paul about how they want to break open the 401k and he has to break out the charts and graphs and explain to them what a terrible idea that is uh, and why so many people still continue to do that and just a bunch of other little things. People don't know how to market, or they refuse to market, or they just lack the confidence. They get imposter syndrome right away. Imposter syndrome being the mm-hmm. "I'm a fraud" and everybody else is right, gonna. and no, everybody I'm a, else can right. see it. No, and they can't. And in in this case, you're not a fraud. You're doing something you're good at. It's just building up that mindset to do it. But those are a few of the quick things right out of the gate that uh, are hurdles that folks ha- have a difficult time getting through.
0: Well, I think also when you talk about fraud uh, and you look at, sometimes friends and family can be your worst enemy too. Oh my gosh. They can drag you down. It's kind of like the crab syndrome.
1: It is. uh, Yeah. You you can explain anytime that crab's trying to get out, the other one just pulls him right back down into the bucket.
0: Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is you may not even try because everybody's telling you, well, you can't do it. It's like a prophets without honor in their own country, right? You know, yeah, that, there's that
1: same concept. Uh, uh, m- many a time, yes. I, I've, Yeah, I've had to, uh, the there's no there's no profit in his hometown is the is the saying. And anybody that knows you and likes you or especially uh, you get powdered. Uh, what is it? Diapered powdered butt syndrome, where if somebody changed your diapers, they do not see any viability of you raising above their standard of living right now whatsoever. You couldn't do it because you are a babbling little. Little child, and you didn't know how to do it, so they don't mean Mm -hmm. to tell you you can't do it. They're just, you know, trying to help you out in their own perverted little way.
0: Okay, so now there are several different types of people that start businesses for the wrong reason. You talk about in the book. Oh my! So let's talk a little bit about that. You'll have like the dreamer, and I, I'm, I got to tell a quick story because you're a story guy. I love them. And your stories in this book are phenomenal and really, really fun. So it. And they're funny, too. So it's one of those things that's not a boring read. Mm-hmm. Uh, start now, quit later. Uh, Charles Alexander. So what um, my story is I used to cold call businesses around town. So much fun. Almost every business <clears throat> in Nashville <laughs> has seen me walk through their door, believe it or not. It was I mean, not every, but, you sure, know, there were a lot of them that I would walk through the door because I was trying to sell health insurance when I first got here. Right. Mm-hmm. And you go talk, Hey, can I give you a quote on your health insurance? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I t- can't tell me I'm, t- but how many times did I run into dreamers that I have this dream I'll of bet. starting a business and talk a little bit about them. What happens there with that type of a person?
1: So, it, and using that example, I remember this, Vividly, I was doing a one-on-one coaching. It was a guy that wanted to start a business. He'd been in the factory forever. I don't know what he did there. He couldn't visually explain it to me, but he had this idea for wanting to start this cigar bar, lounge, restaurant. I mean, he had everything in mind. And mm-hmm. when he was talking to me, you could almost see the glaze in his eye and him leering over my shoulder just kind of talking about <laughs> how amazing the lights would be on the wall and what kind of marble countertops there would be mm-hmm. in the he he'd even give me the design of the leather of the chairs mm-hmm. he wasn't none of this had been planned out he was just over I don't know overexcited or rather just dreaming of what the future could be and so many people that I run into and that's why I used that example a minute ago about folks that have I'll call it a midlife crisis I don't know if that's what you'd call it or not mm-hmm. but they're between 35 55 and they've been doing this job forever and they have just dreamed of this better life but what they're basically doing is just daydreaming of a better life and not planning for it so then they you know start looking for every avenue they can in order to get them to that point and so many folks they don't have a plan they just kind of pull the ripcord and quit the job and cash out every every avenue of uh, savings they have, and they just kind of get started. And then they realize after they did it, they wake up uh, from the dream and it becomes a nightmare.
0: And Charles, I'm going to guess that probably what happens is a lot of these people don't seek counsel because they're afraid that that counsel might is going to tell them the that they're really right. way
1: off. Go ahead. No, that's 100% right. Same, same reason somebody might not come and see you before they go out and buy a handful of crypto because you're going to tell them. Hey, maybe maybe we want to take a look at some other avenues before we do that. And I might not get I might not hear what I want to, but I'm dreaming big using that same crypto analogy because a friend of a friend of a friend, right? Oh, well, they just bought, you know, uh they, they paid cash for a short term rental down in the panhandle of Florida from all their crypto money. Mm-hmm. And you you know, it sounds amazing until you start backtracking trying to figure out what what really happened in that particular mm-hmm. case and how much of that story is true. I wanna dream my dream. So this this is uh, an avenue for yeah,
0: him to do that. Yeah, don't don't throw cold water on it. Then right. then there was the, the enabler. Oh my gosh, mom. Right, I have counseled often, dude. Often, often want to make sure you know, and and they want to make sure that their kid is successful, mm-hmm. and actually helps them do something that they probably shouldn't be doing. So talk more about that one.
1: This, uh, in a case where I have people that are starting in business and they're getting help from family or friends, in a lot of cases, uh, they're parents. Mm-hmm. And mom and dad are trying to set them up uh, for success. Again, a lot of parallels here with second-generational wealth, or even third, where it absolutely disappears because somebody at the top is trying to set up Johnny or Susie for success later. And, and in a lot of those cases, people are trying to pass on a business of their own. The example I've used in this book was... a woman that was trying to put her son into a handyman-slash-construction business. Mm. and He had run into all of his own issues, mm-hmm. probably from her smothering-slash-mothering. Uh, and she, <laughs> she was... Mother, smothering, it smothering. Was, <laughs> dude. I, and I vividly remember. But she was, you know, she'd bought him all the tools, and she had tried to, you know, put money in into his account, and trying to help him set up the business with, you know, the name and the the registration and all we'll that. Well,
0: protect him from any mistakes that might happen.
1: And that, which which is is a mistake, ironically
0: enough. Right, right. You know, and and so trying to protect them from mistakes that they might make, which actually, if they were to make those mistakes, which strengthen them. Correct.
1: It's like parenting a child. You can only, we we are, I am in the helicopter parenting generation. Uh, I've got a, a 14, 12 and a 10 year old. And uh, they run me absolutely all over town like an unpaid Uber driver with a one-and-a-half-star rating with them. But <laughs> I have to let them take bumps and bruises if I do not. And, you know, they don't learn how to make a quesadilla while mom and daddy ain't home or they don't learn how to clean up after themselves. That's little things they won't learn how to do later. So same was with somebody wanting to start a business. If you get get help, get counsel, but don't, you know, Grown men and women, don't let mom and daddy do it for you. Don't let your grandparents do it for you. Don't let somebody just hand everything to you. You got to learn how to do it on your own.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then you had the, the job seeker, the person that's looking mm-hmm. for a job. That Got to figure out, got to find mm-hmm. a job, can't find a job. Oh, I'll just go into business for
1: myself. I see this quite a bit, and it's on two ends of the spectrum. It's with boomers and uh, maybe even millennials are now Gen Z, where my skills aren't translating or I'm not getting hired right away. Well,
0: maybe it may be age discrimination. It could. And be, it can be very frustrating. And it, you're, you're trying to find something. Uh, and, and I had one woman that I was talking to and she, hundreds, maybe, of, I, I, can't, I can't remember. It was a lot of interviews. Sure. And she finally got a job, right? Finally got a job. And I said, how did you get it? And she goes, they didn't see me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> did, did a phone interview and got in there, huh? Yeah, exactly. So, it, yeah, but in those cases, and that's a very real thing, but I still have people that will make up a job. Now, if you want to create your own job, hey, that's great. If you still have your own full time job or you can put together two or three part time hustles while you do that, that's even better. But mm-hmm. don't just create a job in an industry where you don't have. Experience. And I got a lot of examples of people that'll do that. Uh, in that particular case, with that example, somebody decided they were going to be a florist with no florist uh, you know, history with never having even worked in the business, much less run one.
0: Yeah, you might have skill in arranging flowers, sure. but don't realize that when you're working in the business versus on the business, there's a big difference between the two of them. Right. And and just talk about that really quick while we're on, it because working in the business versus on the business, that's a whole topic unto itself. Well, and that's
1: one of the reasons I wrote this book, so somebody could learn how to be more of the employer versus the employee, where you're working in the business. Financial advisors are great examples. There's a ton of good CFPs that are out there that uh, you know, have all the designations, they know how to rebalance, diversify. But then when you throw them out into their own world and they become their own firm owner, Mm -hmm. they don't really have a great idea of how do I build a team around me? What are the things that I'm going to do that help the business grow? What are the things that I've got to outsource, delegate, batch? Uh, Mm -hmm. What kind of content can I create? What can I not? There's so many things to running that business. That's a world of difference than, uh, the difficult task as it is just, creating a portfolio that's balanced and you know, uh, that works for your client. You, there's a whole list of other things you got to do on top of that.
0: Well, that was one of the first things I did when I started the company is I actually hired a business coach. Oh, good for you. Yeah. And that was, and I got a rude awakening. There were a lot of things that I needed to know about that I had not a clue about. And then I had another, I had a, I had a couple of business coaches. As a matter of fact, I had, I had two to three of them, Yeah, you know, so <laughs> I totally get where you're coming Mm -hmm. from regarding this. Now, the other thing we see a lot is franchise buyers. Somebody comes out and buys a franchise. Talk a little bit about that, because I've seen people put a lot of money, you know, literally cash completely out of retirement plans Mm -hmm. and buy a franchise.
1: They get super excited. Look, so first thing, I love franchises. I have a franchising mm-hmm. background. I worked for ServPro forever because I live in Sumner County, mm-hmm. and it's some kind of requirement that if you live in Sumner County, you work for ServPro at some point. <laughs> so I worked for the franchise, or it's a great model. The issue I see a lot of people will run into is just what Paul said. They, you know, it's a husband-wife, and they're ready to go do the new thing. And mm-hmm. I don't want to mm-hmm. do this corporate job anymore. Well, let's go buy a franchise. They shop franchises like people do vacation destinations. Well, this would be fun. This is a froyo place. Well, this, you know, this is okay. It's a uh, commercial cleaning, and I like cleaning the house on Saturday. That's not the way you shop out a franchise. You go first and foremost. I love franchise brokers, and there's a ton of good ones out there mm-hmm. that are guys or gals that are help you find the right franchise that fits not just your skill set but also what you can afford in terms of purchasing. Uh, but then outside of that, find a franchise that has a strong history, that will give you training, that is steadily growing every year, that will be your business coach and help you grow the business instead of just being a logo and then expecting you to figure the rest of it out on your own.
0: I think a big surprise for me regarding franchises is that often when people have franchises, they don't just own one store. They actually have multiple because you can't make ends meet in a lot of these franchises with only one location.
1: And that's 100% correct. You see that quite a bit with McDonald's, and it's a big outfit. Uh, but mm-hmm. in addition to that, for, quick tip, if you ever decide to buy a, into a franchise, call up franchise owners. Don't call up the ones the franchisor tells you. Call up mm-hmm. your own, make up your own list of 10, and mm-hmm. you'll be really surprised. These people will talk to you, and they'll tell you the good and the bad and the
0: ugly. And you need to know everything when you make this kind of decision. And then finally, before we go to break, you have the desperator is what you call the person that is maybe midlife crisis and and what happens there.
1: Well, and I I probably already hit on that. You did a little. Just a a nail at home is that. they're the guy that's sitting into the corporate meeting and everybody's talking about the cover on the TPS reports aren't right. And they, you know, the quarterlies are down and they're staring out the window watching this guy mow the yard and they're thinking, man, I wish I was him. I would just put in my Yeah, The grass is greener on the other side and you're talking about mowing grass, right? That's right. But yeah, I have so many examples of people that just, they're done. They're done. I get it. We came out of the pandemic. There's a big, all these movements of resignation and quiet quitting, people didn't want to go back into the office. And I understand that I didn't either. Uh, So they just decided I'm just going to jump on the first thing that moves and I'm getting out of here and life's too short and insert cliche of a bumper sticker from the 1990s here and they're done.
0: Yeah. And, and I would add to that. I see that sometimes as people get older, they get desperate because they haven't saved enough money and Uh, they haven't made it financially. And I've got to get my big hit. I've got to do something big. And, something anything and then sometimes what they'll do is they'll invest Crazy! They'll sure. do
1: crazy investment they're, they're strategies. Putting, they're going to Vegas putting it all on black because that's that's the only thing we have left.
0: Right. And and then sometimes what they do is they jump into their own business without having a clue what they're doing, just to try to hit it big so that they can retire. Mm-hmm. And they don't recognize a lot of times you're, you're actually having to think about selling the business five to 10 years before you retire. And you're starting a business five right. to 10
1: before. You. That's right. There is no retirement. This is now what we're doing.
0: Yeah, it's so, so true. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Investor Coaching Show. I have Charles Alexander. Start Now, Quit Later is his book, How to Start and Grow Your Business Without Quitting Your Full-Time Job. And uh, just a lot of really good stuff in this book, a lot of really, really funny stories. And we're just going to pick his brain more because he's got a lot of really good wisdom for people thinking about, hey, do I... Do I start a business? What do I do? What are, what are the pitfalls? What are the things I need to avoid? Hey guys, if you want specific advice for your unique situation, schedule a free 15-minute phone chat with one of our trusted advisors by going to PaulWinkler.com forward slash call. We don't sell any products and our advisors don't make any commissions, so this isn't a sales call. We have a coaching process that helps you understand investing and relax about money. Don't put blind trust in anyone with your financial assets. We want to partner with you in the process so you know what you're doing and why. We manage assets on a fee-only basis, which means that when you do well, we do well, which aligns our interests with yours from the start. We also bring you into the financial planning process that gives you a clear plan so you can find the freedom to pursue your purpose. All our advisors are degreed planners too, with years of experience. So schedule a free 15-minute phone call with an advisor by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. All right, we're back. This is the Investor Coaching Show. Paul Winkler with Charles Alexander, longtime friend, business coach. He has a book that he finally came out with. <laughs> it took him a while cuz I knew this, you know you were going to be oh, writing yeah. something. Start now, quit later start now quit later how to start and grow your business without quitting your full-time job now that is key because too many times people just say I'm take this job and shove it <laughs> I ain't working here no more That's and then right. they go to try to start a business straight out when maybe the better way to start the business is kind of part-time on the side to test things out and build it make some mistakes while you still have a full-time income coming in but not necessarily work on your business at your employer's expense. That's one of the things Try you point to. out, right? Yeah, within reason. Yeah, you know, because the reality of it is you don't want to steal from the business owner. Okay? No,
1: of course not. All bosses love that.
0: So, okay, so when we look at this, you said something in here. You were talking about not following your passion, which <laughs> I think is brilliant because so many people, they follow their passion and they go, oh, man, I just love doing this and i and i've had some people say you know i'm not going to get you know maybe they're a musician sure. or maybe they're i had one guy who was a pilot I'm not going to go and become a pilot because that's my hobby and I don't want to mix the two. But it, just in general, talk a little bit about why not to follow your passion when starting a business.
1: Well, a couple of reasons. Uh, you, you fall into what is called the passion trap, where you are only wanting to do the things that only you love. But when you own a business, there's going to be a ton of stuff that you don't love. And every minute you're doing something you don't love, you think you're doing something wrong. So in our case, we talk about I'm following my passion. Paul, I'm passionate about college football or the NFL or, Mm -hmm. you know, playing basketball with my kid. There's not really a living that I'm going to be able to personally make from that. And if I go talk to the wrong person, they'll try to tell me how to start a blog and make a million bucks on any of those. That's not really great advice. I tell people to follow their skill set and then develop a passion for it later. So I have my own business in addition to business coaching. I had a passion for telling stories.
0: What you just said is absolutely brilliant, and I want to make sure people hear what you just said. Well, you'll have to
1: repeat it. What did I say? You said,
0: <laughs> follow your skill set and then develop the passion later. Yes. Whoa, whoa. It, like, mind-blowing.
1: That's worth a tweet, huh?
0: Yes, it is. That, that, <laughs> no, because I find that so often. I'm just not really into what I'm doing. I really don't like that area. Mm-hmm. And you know, the reality of it is I became, I went into economics with a business minor. And then what happened, I got out and I started studying this thing on life insurance. And then I started studying investments and the passion came later. It was totally a related topic. Mm -hmm. I mean, economics and business and being a financial guy, completely related. Went into the industry that I actually, which is kind of unusual sometimes, went into the industry that I actually studied to a great extent. But you're right. I didn't develop the passion until later. I've used you as an example
1: before of, uh, you know, I told folks I've got a financial advisor mm-hmm. that if you mention anything about the markets or how they work or fluctuations, or if you can time it, that is so passionate about it that he he can talk nonstop like a wind-up toy for hours <laughs> because he is passionate yes and, and I that's exactly right you there's no way you came out of the gate just that passionate you learned about it and the more you learned about it the more you realized how it affected people how they misunderstood it and now you're one of if not the most passionate people I know that talks about a uh, personal finance and investing the way that you do
0: well, and, and you said something about skill set, so I'm just going to use that as an example. A uh, Skill set, maybe that you like teaching, right? And that was for me. That was it. I like teaching. Uh, I also liked numbers. I was always good at math. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was th- those skill sets, teaching and making things simple, and math. And also, I loved explaining things, right. how they worked. Not don't just tell me that something works. Tell me why it works. So that turned into, the, that skill set turned into that. So I think that's definitely right on. So when you talk about not following your passion, you talk about, hey, you may not like selling. You may not like bookkeeping. Right you may not like dealing with imperfection is the other one. And, you, and t- talk about that one because, you know, I know there are people that go into a, a bakery business and they love baking, let's say, we'll use sure. that as an example, or a restaurant. And they don't think, well, you know, I, I love baking. I love the, the food industry, but I don't like selling. And therefore you're going to have to do a lot of what you don't like. I
1: have example after example, and even to steal from one of the greatest entrepreneurial books, The E-Myth, or now The E-Myth Revisited Mm -hmm. by Michael Michael Gerber. Gerber. It's written about a woman named Sarah who owns a bakery. Mm -hmm. And it starts off with her head and hands in tears because she is so frustrated with the process of getting up at four in the morning, cooking, cleaning, getting the place set up, being open all day, managing employees, trying to deal with the bookkeeping on our own, shutting down, figuring out the marketing at night, going to bed at midnight, and then doing it all over again. Mm -hmm. And I've got client after client food service is a great example because we all, man, we all love to eat. We have this special burger or brisket recipe. And if I could just do that and just keep it just to the few things I love, then I'll never have to work a day in my life, except for like what you're just saying. Well, yeah, but if you're a caterer, you're going to have to go talk to some businesses. And if you're Uh, a bar owner, you're going to have to deal with some, uh, you know, possible employees that aren't, you know, employable elsewhere. And if you're and if that's you, is
0: that what you meant by imperfection? (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
1: And we yeah, people are uh, scared to death of imperfection. But that's all running a business is I mean, perfection is the enemy of progress. And if you were aiming for perfection, I'd keep using finances as an example, you'd never deal with a down market, but you get to deal with the imperfections of the market to get the highs from it.
0: That is so true because, you know, you talk about imperfection in and trying to be perfect at everything, excellence is is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Excellence is a good thing, but perfection is unattainable. And so often, what happens is it stymies people from actually doing anything, sure. and it literally will stop you from even trying to take action because you won't take action until it's going to be perfect, and that and that's a problem because you're never going to have perfection. But I think that's that's really good. You got to watch out following your passion. I love that. Figure out your skills and then let the passion follow. Let's take a quick break and be right back after this. You're listening to the Investor Coaching Show. Got a guest on Charles Alexander, longtime friend. Start now, quit later. How to start your and grow your business without quitting your full-time job. Too often what people do is they go, that's it, I'm out of here, and they go try to start a business and it fails because it's an incredibly high percentage of businesses that fail as we all know. We've all heard and there are lots of reasons. And what we want to try to do is avoid those by making sure that we do it right the first time or don't go into it at all. If it, if you go, wait, wait, wait a minute. This, is, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I want to do. Maybe we'll save you the headache of going into a business that you shouldn't be going into or help you start it out the right way if you do. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do? Go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there. And if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one.